At the conclusion of episode two, entitled Illuminating Our Choices, I left you with the question of what difference have you tried to mask in the face of whiteness? That difference could have been an individual, personality, trait, character aspect, or it could be a cultural difference or something that makes you and your community unique that you've attempted to mask in spaces where you know that whiteness was the standard. So we do have a listener response. This response comes from Brandon Warwick's. He says, growing up in a predominantly white town and attending prestigious high schools, there was a lot of pressure to not be looked at as a stereotypical young black male. My mother's boyfriend at the time would not allow me to get my ears pierced, let alone both of them. He was an old school military sergeant who made this point clear about how he wanted me to be perceived. Considering that he had been in my life since I was nine years old, I listened to him. When I look back at the situation now, this was a clear experience of masking my individual and cultural choice in the wake of how society would view me. Thank you, Brandon, for sharing that. That is a very relatable experience that I know a lot of Black men can relate to, but also uh, women and, in general, people of color when it comes to masking choices or learning how to be socially acceptable, given your identity markers. My response to your story um, is, first, I think even in Black communities, there is this pressure sometimes to not be a stereotypical Black male. I'm not someone who grew up in majority white community or even attended majority white schools, but I still knew that there was this unspoken belief that to be more stereotypically black was a negative thing, you know, or ghetto as we would call it. Right. And we still speak that way today. Like that's ghetto or, um, I don't go into spaces where people act or talk or behave ghetto. It's, that. Um, And it looks different for males than it does for females, but I just wanted to point that out. So even if you're not someone who was raised in a predominantly white neighborhood or went to a majority white school, um, there still was always, you know, this negative connotation around blackness. Anti-blackness is pervasive and it exists in all spaces, even in spaces that are all black. My second point is socialization I think is what you're referring to when you talked about how you listened to your mom's boyfriend at the time. Um, And as a parent or as a, you know, a person in your life who was a male figure, his intentions were probably really good to make sure that you were not put in a position where you were made to feel or you were looked at as less than. So our parents to try to protect us. And that is a part of socialization. So the parenting that we received, experiences we have in school, if we're participating in extracurricular programs, if we go to church, all of those experiences from birth and through childhood, even up until you know our early 20s, are socializing us into understanding what is required of us to 
go out into the real world and be successful and to create the lives that we desire for ourselves. And a part of the socialization process for Black people is internalizing anti-Blackness. It's unfortunate, but it is a true part of our reality. And it starts at a very young age. And so your experience, I think, sheds light on how socialization in a lot of ways is um, accompanied by anti-Black rhetoric. And we're taught it almost from birth. Finally, when you shared how looking at this situation, you realize that this was a clear experience of masking your individual and cultural choice. Um, I could definitely relate to that as a young black girl, but also as an educator. I remember working for a school and an organization where anything that was a reflection of a student's culture was not allowed according to school policies. And these are racist policies. Let's be clear about that. Um, these are not just policies for professionalism or standards that are necessary to learn. This is a clear way to say, leave your individuality at the door that doesn't have a place here. What else is that but racism? And, and where does the standard for professionalism come from? Like what, who gets to decide what's professional? And more often than not, it is, again, it goes back to Eurocentric ways of operating, looking, sounding, and behaving. So it is still rooted in whiteness. At the school where I worked, um, and within this organization, boys couldn't wear parts in their hair. If they had a haircut, it had to be a very clean cut, basic hairstyle. Um, you know, they couldn't wear earrings. They definitely couldn't wear multiple earrings. Girls also, one you know, set of earrings. They couldn't eat, wear two sets of earrings. They couldn't have on excessive jewelry. Tattoos were a definite no. Hair color was not allowed. It had to be black um, or a natural hair color. The clothing shouldn't represent anything that was, you know, related to like community things or themes um, like the music they listened to. It Everything needs to be very sort of bland and you know, one way of doing things, um, head wraps, even the acknowledgement of certain holidays didn't happen in that organization. So that experience is a way that I, as an educator, was perpetuating racism by holding students accountable to not showing up that way. And if they did, I actually had to turn them around and deny them access to education. They would have to call home and get another change of clothes or they would have to, you know, come back um, after having changed their appearance. So literally I was charged with the task of denying children education because of the way they looked and because that look was not appropriate according to our standards of what was appropriate and, and, and professional. Um, and so it's something I think about a lot as an educator um, is, is the harm that I caused unintentionally um, in upholding those standards. We make choices, all of us daily, out of the need to not only survive, but to be accepted in the spaces that we inhabit. And if you look closely, you'll likely find those standards are rooted in whiteness, patriarchy, and in some way benefit capitalism. So I thank you so much, Brandon, for sharing this example that is so common 
among us. And I hope it allows others to reflect on the origins of their choices as well.